Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. I hope everybody is doing plantastic tonight. So I'm going to talk about easy ways to reduce your carbon footprint. I had the amazing Kate Gottlieb on episode 93 of Veggie Doctor Radio. We had an excellent discussion about carbon footprints and what they are. So I wanted to take it a step further and kind of talk about it in an organized way. And of course, if you're on and you have any questions about it, I can answer your questions. But hopefully this will help organize it in your mind, and then you can start getting ideas on how you and your family can reduce your carbon footprint. So first of all, what is a carbon footprint? A carbon footprint is, quote, the total greenhouse gas emissions caused directly and indirectly by an individual organization, event, or product. So this is how much... The choices that you make in life, the things that you buy, where you live, how you live, how much greenhouse gases that emits. So it's derived by adding together emissions from every stage of a product's or service's lifetime or life cycle. So basically, these greenhouse gases add up. So why why do we even care about greenhouse gases? I'm not an expert on this, so I'm just going to give you the simple version. The greenhouse gases, they accumulate, and then they end up trapping heat in the atmosphere. And that's when we get the greenhouse effect. So they trap the heat, the earth warms, and then that is what is leading to climate change. And even though these changes are just like small, minuscule changes, things that we can't necessarily feel ourselves, the temperature difference we can't feel ourselves, it's enough that it's causing changes in our planet. The melting of the polar ice caps, weather changes, extreme weather, things like that. So that's why we want to reduce the amount of carbon emissions that we have personally and as a family so that we can contribute to de- to decreasing the amount of greenhouse gases that are emitted. So the typical U.S. household has a carbon footprint of 48 tons of carbon dioxide per year. So it's usually measured in tons per year. There's lots of different resources that you can go and you can calculate your own or your family's. I calculated for my family's carbon footprint. And I did a few of them and I came out to between 38 and 47 tons per year. That was a bit sobering for me because, you know, here I am thinking we were minimalist. We have a small house. We don't 
you know, buy as many things. We're vegan. We're fully plant-based. We try to eat local, all that stuff. But even despite that, our carbon footprint was much larger than I thought it was going to be. And our biggest contributors are travel because we fly a lot and also energy use. So one of our biggest energy sucks, especially during the summer months, is our pool. (laughs) So it's one of those things that really opened my eyes and, you know, things that I'm going to talk to you later in these different categories. So it really opened my eyes and made me start to get creative about ways that we can offset our carbon or decrease our carbon emissions for our family. So global experts call for a target limit of two tons per person per year, two tons per person per year. So that would mean that for a family of four, I would have to decrease the amount by like 40 tons or 30 to 40 tons per year. Um, The current global average is at four tons per person per year, and the current U.S. average is 20 tons per person per year. Okay, so I want to break this down into four categories. So what are the four major categories that are contributing to your family's carbon footprint? So these are things that we may have some control over. I'm not going to put in like, you know, big things that we don't really have control over. So they include those four things, food, household energy and water use, personal transportation, and consumer products and waste, okay? So I put the consumer products and waste together because the more we buy, the more we waste. And so I kind of lump that into one category. So food contributes about 15% of our carbon footprint, um, more or less depending on what you eat. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Household energy and water use is about 30%. Personal transportation, 30%. And consumer products and waste is also about 25%. So let's start with food because that's my favorite and that's a big one. And we have a lot of control over that, right? So how does food create greenhouse gases? How how, How does that happen? Well, we have to think about how food is produced as well as how it's transported and waste that accumulates because of the food. So food contributes, like I said, between 10 and 30%. I went right in the middle and I put 15% for the average um, for each household. And the production, the actual production piece of the food is about 70% of the emissions and the transportation is about 5% of the emissions. Animal products, hopefully this is no surprise to you if you've been listening to my podcast or listening to any of the episodes that I've had this month on environmental sustainability and climate change. Animal products use much more resources because you, you it's very inefficient. So basically what you're doing is you're taking plant material most of the time and you're feeding it to animals, plants and water. You're feeding it to animals, growing that animal and then you're eating that animal. So it's you're basically converting one form of energy into another form of energy where you could definitely cut out that animal and just eat the plant directly. So it's very inefficient. So that's one of the reasons. But the other thing that happens is that just the process of agriculture produces carbon dioxide, nitrous, um, nitrous oxide, and methane. 
Um, and the reason that happens is because the animals themselves, for example, cows, which is a big production of methane, when they, they're ruminants, so they eat the grass or whatever you feed them, and then they have gas from that and they produce methane. And especially with some of these factory farmed operations, there are hundreds of thousands of cows together, and this is happening and they're creating methane in this way. Um, so when it comes to animal products, the typical American diet, meat and dairy account for 74% of greenhouse gases from food, 74%. So if we can decrease our consumption of animal products, we are cutting out a big portion of the greenhouse gases that come from food. So instead of eating the animals, let's eat the plants directly. The other thing that produces greenhouse gases in animal agriculture is waste. So animals have to poop, and especially when they're all cooped up together and you have a lot of poop coming out and you have these like basically lagoons full of poop, that creates methane. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that and other creative things that can be done. But really, one of the easiest things to do is just stop eating animals or decrease our consumption of animals. Just to give you a comparison of how much different it is, cow meat creates 60 times more carbon emissions than legumes. You guys know I want you to eat beans. So I want you to eat beans, but eating meat 60 times, or cow meat, so beef, 60 times more carbon emissions than legumes. Chicken meat is a problem too. 42 times more greenhouse gases than potatoes, okay? So it's a big, big difference. And if you look at charts, you'll see going from like beef down to the lowest emitters in the plant world, it's a huge difference. So in general, animal products create more greenhouse gases than plant products. So decrease your consumption of animal products to reduce your carbon footprint. So that's the production of food, but then there's also the transportation of food. And this is why you've heard a lot of people talk about um, eating local and eating seasonally, because if you can imagine, and you know, I'm guilty of this too, because I love bananas and my kids love bananas, but bananas are not grown in Yakima, not even close. So in order for us to get a bunch of bananas, it had to be grown somewhere in South America or Central America. It had to be put probably on a plane. I'm suspecting that they come on planes. Um, I guess maybe there's trucks that go all the way from there, probably. Either way, it's a lot of use of energy and resources to get that food from where it was grown to our dinner table. So being mindful of eating more local and more seasonally also decreases our carbon footprint. And then a third thing to think about is food waste. 30 to 40% of the food we eat is wasted. We throw it away. And or not the food we eat, the food we buy. 30 to 40% of the food we buy. And in the United States, we create a lot of food waste. That's something that is a big problem in the United States. Why is that a problem? Because most of the time people are putting that waste in the trash. And where does the trash go? Usually to landfills. And so it sits there in a big pile. 
and it doesn't decompose well. And landfills are the third largest source of methane emissions in the United States, third largest source. Okay. So the better thing is to plan your meals, um, try not to waste food. But if you end up having some scraps, which we're all going to have is to compost. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about, so that's the food category, production, transport, and waste are the big ways, but production is a big one. So let's talk about ways to reduce our carbon footprint. Number one, eat less animal products, especially beef and meat. So if you are willing to do any of those things, start with decreasing your meat consumption because that is way more carbon heavy than the dairy and the egg, even though both of those are still more than many plants, okay? The next two bonus episodes that I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about replacing meat and replacing dairy and eggs because a lot of people, especially if they're not used to this way of eating, they may feel lost, especially when they're baking. I've had so many friends ask me, oh, you can make that vegan? You can make anything vegan, anything, anything. I just want you to think any, any recipe that you want to make, you can make it vegan, okay? Don't even ask because you can, and I'm going to tell you how. But there's also amazing free, you know, like blogs and free resources online where you can learn how to do these things. Okay. Eat less animal products, especially meats. Eat local and eat seasonally. So a uh, easy way to do this is to shop at your farmer's market. Another thing that I've been doing is subscribing to a local produce box. So they bring me a box of produce organic every week, something that is um, sourced locally and from local farmers as much as possible. So that supports not just local business and small business, but it also decreases my family's carbon footprint. Even better, which I haven't gotten there yet, but I hope to someday, I aspire to, even better is to have your own garden. And I know I have so many families and I'm so envious of all of you guys that are that already have your garden started and have that year after year going. That is such a great way to reduce your carbon footprint. You are contributing to a healthy environment and you're growing your own food. So that is wonderful. But that's like super high level. That might not be something you can do right away, but if you can eventually get there, that would be great. And then third, if you waste or you're not eating some of your food, your plant, your organic plant material, compost it instead of throwing it in the trash. And I'm going to talk more about some of the things that I've been doing with my family. But one thing that I'm super grateful about is that we have a local composting service that actually comes and picks up my vegetable scraps every week. And so I don't have to worry about composting myself. I've tried it once and it did not go well. Eventually I want to learn how to compost on my own, but for now this is working for me and it's very inexpensive and I'm very appreciative of that. Okay. So that's the food category. Remember that's between 10 and 30% of each household. So if you are a meat and animal product heavy household, you're probably going to be closer to that 30%. Okay, number two, household energy and water use. So the typical household has energy use derived from coal, petroleum, and natural gas. Residential space heating and cooling accounts for 41% of energy use. Refrigerators are one of the largest users of energy in the house, including as well washing machines and dryers. 
In addition, the treatment of drinking water also consumes energy and resources, which is why it's important to conserve water. So let's talk about ways to reduce our carbon footprint when it comes to household energy and um, water use. So number one is going to be to consider minimalism. <laughs> so I do have also a bonus episode on this. That is episode 93B on Veggie Doctor Radio about becoming a minimalist and why it might benefit you and how to do it. But if you have a smaller home, you're automatically going to have a house that's more efficient and uses less energy. Okay. So that's something to consider is minimizing the space of your house. But if you can't do that for now, I would focus on when you purchase new appliances, purchase energy efficient appliances, Turn off appliances when they're not in use, turn off lights when they're not in use, and switch to energy-efficient lighting. Wash your clothes in cold water and consider drying your clothes outside on the line instead of the dryer. So when I saw my little report on our carbon, carbon footprint and how much energy a dryer uses per year, I was shocked. I immediately bought a clothesline and my husband's going to set it up this weekend. And now that it's warm outside and it's good weather, we're going to start drying our clothes outside. I'm going to give it a try. I can't believe I'm doing this because I never would imagine myself doing that. But it, to me, just seeing the number, I was like, wow. I mean, and it might be fun. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to see how it goes. And, you know, I could put my podcast on, put my clothes out there. And one thing I love about line drying clothes is they smell amazing. And I love good smells. So I will report back on how that goes. But if you live in a place that you can do that, you may want to consider that in the warm weather months when it's not rainy, that could be um, a really big decreaser in your carbon footprint in your household. The other thing is, and I didn't, I wasn't aware of this, is that running your dishwasher is actually more energy efficient and more water efficient. Well, I guess more water efficient than hand washing. So, but just make sure that your dishwasher is full. So whenever you're going to do a load of laundry, whenever you're going to do a load of dishes, make sure that it's full and running that actually uses less water than hand washing. Some more higher level stuff is get a programmable thermostat if you don't already have one because you can control the range in your house a little bit better and set it to where it's not too cold um, in the summer and not too hot in the winter so that you can be more efficient with your energy use. Consider investing in so solar panels so you can offset some of that energy and have cleaner energy. For water use, take shorter showers. I know you guys have heard this one before. Don't leave the tap on when you're brushing your teeth. And if you are doing hand dishes, washing your dishes by hand, um, be mindful of using less water. Okay, so that's the household energy and water use. Number three, which is a big one in my family, is personal transportation. Cars and trucks emit about 17% of the total greenhouse gases in the United States. But of the transportation section by itself, the biggest impact is passenger cars, which contribute 41% of the greenhouse gases. So 
owning a car and driving a car is going to be a big source of the carbon footprint for a lot of families. But like I said, the big one for us is air travel. So even though commercial aircrafts only contribute 7% to the transportation greenhouse gases category, for people that travel a lot by air, which is my family, and we go long distances, like we like to go, you know, to faraway places to travel and very frequently go to Panama to visit my family. That's a big chunk of our carbon footprint. So what are the things that you can do to reduce your carbon footprint when it comes to transportation? The most obvious and easy thing is walk or bike to work or whenever you have to run errands. However, if you can't do that, definitely carpooling. So decreasing the number of cars on the road in general is going to help and be efficient. This is something I do anyway, because I highly value efficiency and I don't like just going in and out and back and forth. So kind of pull your errands together and in your head, be like, okay, I'm going to stop here and then here and then here, make your little loop and then come back home so that you're not going back and forth and taking multiple trips in your car. Be efficient with your trips so that you can decrease the amount of gas and energy that you're using. Whenever you are flying, uh, decrease the amount of flying that you do. But I know that there's some of us, especially my husband, he loves to travel. That's one of his favorite things. So we're going to continue to travel, but try to fly direct. Even though it's more expensive, you end up using less carbon that way because you're being more efficient, right? So you're flying direct to your destination instead of hopping, hopping, hopping up and down, up and down. So you end up having less of an impact that way. Fly economy, not like we're flying first class anyway. Okay. But now I can just tell myself that I'm purposely not flying first class because I want to reduce my carbon footprint. But if you just think about it, because there's more seats and economy, it's more efficient. So you're it's you're using that plane more efficiently with more people in it rather than with less people in it. So you're reducing the demand on those first class seats. And then the other thing that you can do um, that I'm going to talk more about is buying carbon offsets. So this is something that we're probably going to do with my family. We'll be more mindful of the trips we take, I'm sure. But also if you know, you still want to travel by air and you want to do something about the carbon that you're emitting, then purchasing carbon offsets is a way that you can reduce your impact. And I'll talk about that more in a little bit. When it comes to your personal vehicle, if you are looking to invest in a new car or you're ready for, you know, trading your car in or, or you know, getting an, another car for the family, then consider getting a car that has good fuel economy or consider getting a hybrid or electric vehicle. The other thing that you can do is not speed. The faster you go, the less efficient you're going to be with fuel. So don't speed, be mindful of your speed, um, and that can really help as well. Okay, so the last category is consumer products and waste. So when we consume less, when we purchase less things, we're going to waste less because the more things we buy, the more likely we are to throw things away. So whenever we have less, we throw less things away. And like I said before, landfills are a big source of methane and overall 
whenever we purchase things, we're buying things that had to be produced some way, right? And the production of those things uses carbon or emits carbon. Um, so it contributes to your carbon footprint. So the less happy you are with your credit card on Amazon, and like I said, I'm not perfect in any of these things, the better you're going to be with your carbon footprint. The average American throws away 65 pounds of clothes each year. So again, this goes back to the minimalism episode. So check that one out, 93B. And you can see how you can start decreasing your impact on the environment by consuming less. But the last episode that I'm going to do in this series for this month, I'm also going to specifically be talking about waste reduction. And I have Alyssa Sikora at the next to last scheduled episode that's going to be talking about zero waste living in your home. But basically, when to, to decrease the waste production, buy less things, reuse the things you have, refuse free things, recycle, and compost, which we already talked about. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about carbon offset programs. So basically, carbon offsets are ways that you can fund renewable energy products. So you are actually contributing to a company that's either creating some sort of renewable energy such as wind or solar, or they are creating a methane capture project. Like they can do that from landfills. They have some way of capturing the methane so it doesn't go out into the atmosphere. Or there's programs where they plant trees and sustain forests. So that helps as well. Um, and like I said earlier, when I was talking about the waste from agriculture, I still want you to decrease your consumption of animal products. Okay. Because that's good for lots of different reasons, not just for the planet. But one thing that they can do, some of these programs are doing is that they are creating anaerobic digesters of the waste products on these farms so that they create less methane. So basically they probably have some sort of bacteria or something that digests the fecal matter so that less methane is produced. So I don't know all about that. I don't know how it works, but it sounds pretty cool. And one of the resources that you can look up more about carbon offset programs is terrapass.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-A-S-S.com. Okay, so this was the call to action that Kate Gottlieb gave on episode 93, and I'm going to give it to you again with this one, calculate your carbon footprint. Do your best. You may not have all the exact numbers for everything, but I promise it's going to be eye-opening. There's lots of different calculators. Conservation.org has one. Carbonfootprint.com. EPA.gov. Nature.org. Coolclimate.berkeley.edu. All of those websites have carbon footprint calculators, but you can even just Google it carbon footprint calculator and find one that works for you. And usually it gives you an estimation. You can either do individual or for your entire family. It gives you an estimation. And then usually all the ones that I did at the end, it gave recommendations on what kind of things that you can do. And some of them even have their own carbon offset programs that you can contribute to at the end as well. 
So I hope that this was helpful and that this gave you a little bit more insight into your carbon footprint. And then I hope that it was motivational, inspirational, knowing that none of us are perfect. I'm just now starting to scratch the surface to learn about all of this. I wasn't ready until now. You know, there's lots of little things that I had done, but I wasn't quite ready until now. So you may not be ready yet, but kind of file this in in the back of your brain so that you know that when you're ready, you can check this episode out or start doing research on your own on ways that you can decrease your carbon footprint and contribute to the healing of our planet so that we can start reversing some of this damage that's being caused by just living, you know, definitely some of our habits have kind of gotten out of control and we can rein that in. And it doesn't have to be something that feels like deprivation. It doesn't have to feel painful. It can actually be really fun. And I'm having conversations with my family on different things that we can do to decrease our carbon footprint. And it's not, you know, I I think it's really good for my kids to learn about it so that they can make those choices when they're older. So I hope that this was helpful. Good luck with everything. Thank you for listening to this series on environmental sustainability and climate change. I hope that you will continue to tune in. Send me your questions. If you have questions about any of this, good luck, and I will catch you next time. We're having broccoli.